You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. And we're joined today by Noah Averbach Katz. Oh, oh my god, I'm doing great. I'm having a great time. Uh, we were talking before we started recording how it feels like my eyeballs are gonna fall out of my head, but other than that, I'm doing great. Awesome. Hey, lovely. So uh we had you you were the very first guest we ever had on our show, and, and I was still the best. I, I've heard everyone <laughs> say clearly. Clearly. And when I was uh, messaging with you uh, yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, I was realizing it has been just a tad over a year since that last time that we talked to you. That's insane. Yes, mm-hmm. that was probably what, like December, last January, 20, January, 2021. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, so, I haven't aged a bit, but you guys. Are like well, clearly. No, no, no. So how have you been in the past year? I have been good in the past year. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> how has anybody been in the past year? Let's yeah, right. Exactly right. Um, exactly. You know, we all I, I vaccines came out. So that really made my life a lot better. That happened yeah. in the past year. Crazy to say, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did all those podcasts when I was sitting in the basement in Toronto. Nobody could go outside and we're all freezing and afraid. So it's not as bad as it was, but things are bad in a new way today. So, you know, we just changed one for the other. Uh, but, exactly. You know, I've been I've been. uh I've been doing all sorts of stuff. I, I've been doing a bunch of streaming on Twitch with myself. We've, we, in that interim, we did our first uh, live Dungeons and Dragons. Disco does D&D games at, a, at multiple conventions. I went to my first conventions, I think, since we talked then. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, uh, my first convention, of course, on the other side of the table. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I've just been working on this, this Kickstarter and this movie and this film, uh, sort of throughout this whole entire time, just sl- slowly putting the pieces together. And, and here we are. Do you think with the pandemic and so forth, that that actually helped you focus on it more? Do you think that that actually compressed the time working on your film, your Kickstarter? Probably not, you know, probably I would have spent the same amount of time, but okay. I was just de- more depressed while I was doing it. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. it's funny. It's funny, Keith, you know, because I, I came up with the idea pre pandemic. It actually mm-hmm. wasn't inspired by the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. the idea for this film, this Kickstarter that I'm talking about is essentially a type one diabetic and his wife who sort of in the midst of a, a, in the post uh, some sort of unspecified catastrophe go on the search for insulin. And I was doing a play in Baltimore in February of 2020, January, February. And there was a, uh, a deaf actor in the show, wonderful actor named Trishel Edmonds. And she was so gracious, uh, in terms of talking about her experience as a a deaf person. And also, you know, we also had some, a bunch of translators, deaf translators and other, uh, people who were deaf there, uh, like as consultants, uh, sort of consultants, the wrong word as whatever it was on, on the play. And just, mm-hmm. I was really sort of let into their world and what, a, a, a an interesting and very, uh, tight community that they have. They really have a built community. And I was sort of thinking about my own relationship to just 
uh, you know, at large disability and how, how important community is and how it's very difficult for diabetics and in particular type one diabetics to find community right. because first off, it's an invisible illness. So unless you're really looking for it, you're not going to see it. Um, mm. And, uh, and everybody's so spread out, you know, there's, there's uh, people are sort of spread out everywhere. So I was thinking of, you know, possibilities for a, a film and I was in this play and I, I was playing a dog in this play and I had laid on the floor for like 45 minutes at one point. I was just thinking what you I could write, da, 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 thinking in my head, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and this idea sort of popped in my head. I thought oh, that's kind of something, but then when, when, you know, uh, 2020 hit as we, came to know it when I was um, stuck inside in New York in our tiny little apartment in April, March and April, I just sort of sat down and churned out that script in like, you know, a matter of weeks. So maybe yeah. that helped getting stuck there, setting in a routine where I got up and worked on it for X number of hours in the morning. Um, so maybe that part helped the rest. The rest of it just really gave me an excuse to come on your podcast and hang out <laughs> with you guys. <laughs> We'll take any excuse for that. Me right. too, man. Me too. Yeah, I, I opt right on it. Okay, so the film is called Type 1. Can you talk a little bit about that writing process? Like, what was your uh, conception for the the, the, the setting sure. of it? And, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that Mary and her family likes to, to joke about uh, is like what you would do. Everybody, you know, this isn't just a Wiseman thing. It's uh, uh, what you would do in a zombie apocalypse, you know, where Absolutely. would you go, who would survive, da, da, da. Yep. And I would always make the joke, which is a funny joke, uh, that I would be the guy who's like, I'm going to hold them off for one more minute so you could make it, you know, because I'm not going to make it in the zombie apocalypse. I'm, <laughs> I'm dead. You know what I mean? I've got, I've got, you know, between two weeks and, six months and then I'm out of here. So I might as well sacrifice myself early on. Um, <laughs> so it sort of came out of that of like, oh, actually, what would that experience really be like? You know, so often both like uh, diabetes, you know, there is like a, a diabetic character in The Walking Dead uh, who they sort of encounter. He, I think he gets eaten by a zombie, but it doesn't actually like really make sense. And really in stories like this and like, disaster genres and then a lot of sort of films in general diabetes or disability in general is used as a, a plot device right you have to the, the the person who is abled the abled hero has to save the disabled person mm -hmm. and and the reality is is that's not how it works in real life you know the disabled person again and again has to fight for what they need to survive whether that's like political access or, or, or uh, change, whether that's medication, whether that's accessibility, that's not coming from abled people. That's coming from the disabled people and mm. having abled help, you know, having abled yeah. allies. So the idea for the film was sort of a combination of those two ideas, which is, you know, the disaster zombie, not zombie, but right. post-apocalyptic, disaster genre, but taking the focus off of the abled hero and putting it onto the disabled person and kind of just seeing how that would actually play out. And, you know, the response I've gotten a lot in just these three days since it's been out here is that that sort of fear of like, oh, you know, if a disaster hit, you know, or like, I mean, 
You don't need to look far right now for the kind of disaster to imagine you're cut off from the supplies that you need. Mm, It's a real fear fear for me and for a lot of other people out there, you know? And so I think that is trying to sort of tap into that and, and put it out there in a way that uh, lets people who, who really live with that fear day to day feel seen and also let people who don't have that have access to that experience um, and so it's a little bit closer to home. Uh, so that way it's, it's not abstract. It's not in general, it, it's immediate and you really feel it. It's my hope. I think, I think that this is really relatable right now to most people because we've all been affected by even in the, the stupidest little ways of supply chain delays and stoppages and things where, you know, like you can't get milk at the grocery store or something because of some kind of supply chain, you know, obstacle. Right. I can't imagine going from like not being able to buy a jug of milk to not being able to get medicine to keep yourself alive. You know, and then the, the sort of second layer on that in the United States, at least, is that regardless of a, of any kind of disaster or supply chain issue, the a- access to insulin is not a reality for so mm-hmm. many people. Yeah. So, you know, it is this other layer that's working, which is that it doesn't actually need a disaster to make this a reality for a lot of people. Tons of people wind up rationing insulin, which is a p- big part of the film, which is right. detrimental and dangerous um, and not sustainable. Um, and and so many others just can't afford it. Or if they do afford it, really, the reality is, is that people want to stay alive. So they're going to spend what whatever money they have on this, this thing, they need to stay alive. Uh, and they'll lose food or they'll lose their house. And they'll just sort of fall into uh, interested poverty, just trying to stay alive. So, you know, it, it, it is adding this layer of the disaster onto it, because I feel like that is something that people, you know, we all understand that really. Mm-hmm. But then when you, when you take a second and think, oh, this is, this is just the day-to-day life for a lot of people in the United States right now. And it's not like that in other countries. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow. I think a point you made that's, that's interesting about that too, is I have a lot of, I have a lot of family and friends who, who suffer from diabetes, both type one and type two. And as you probably know, it's, it's a big problem in that in the black community as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you were mentioning about that I thought about is uh, we had a thing several years ago in Atlanta, where we had a whole bunch of snow and ice for Atlanta. You may have even heard it was called Snowmageddon. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And that thing was insane. Cause I know people in my job, for example, who didn't get home to like 14 hours after they mm-hmm. left work. And to the point you're saying, one of my first thought was uh, people who are diabetic because the insulin mm-hmm. needs to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes even if you have it, like if, for example, if we're in an apocalypse or just real life, like you're in a Mojave desert or somewhere and mm-hmm. you get stranded after a time, even if you have the medicine, it's no longer viable unless you can keep it refrigerated. Right. And that's mm-hmm. a real life thing that we've had. Cause you know, even when the first COVID vaccines going out uh, to what Alan was saying, one of the problems was people like FedEx and stuff had to have certain right. refrigeration units, which is completely different. Yeah. So for somebody with diabetes, again, I have friends and family, you're a few hours away. Like for, like for us, you know, like the, what you can go, what, a week without food, maybe sure. a couple of days without water. But if you're a diabetic, um, just losing the power, you could be a few hours away. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it is one of these things where, a lot of the, you know, obviously, look, when it comes to a natural death or bad luck, happenstance, that affects everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. the life is not fair. And I think we all understand that. 
but mm-hmm. there are a lot of systems that have been put in place that are constructed systems that are not uh, set to benefit, not made to benefit people um, who might need extra help. And, and that's not, uh, that's not help in the, you know, lightest sense. That's the help to stay alive. And it, you really have to make some decisions about what kind of society you want to participate in mm. um, when you're building that it's not arbitrary. You know, these are choices that have been made or decisions have been made to not do certain things. And so it's right. the society that you, you have chosen to part- to make. Right. Well, you hear some people say that certain types of survival or education or, or access is a privilege, not a right. And sure. I think, you know, I think that's one of the things you're talking about. You know, we talk so much about Star Trek and stuff. And one of the things in the Star Trek future is the things you're talking about, their rights, they're considered human rights across yeah. the board, not something that is based on your educational level or your financial ability or so forth. Right. I mean, you know, one of the questions that I hope people ask themselves when they watch this movie, if it's any good, hopefully it'll be good, mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, you, you're seeing this guy suffer and he can't get this thing he needs and he's trying really hard to get it. And I, I suspect that most people would sit in the thing and say, you know, oh, if I, if, I, if I could help him, I would, right? You know, it's a pretty basic question. But the reality is, is that th- that's the question that we are dealing with now, right? Like we can help people who need it. It's not impossible. It's very clear that, uh, you know, in, in, every other developed nation in the world, they are helping those people. And there is a conscious choice being made to not help these people. So when you, when people say, Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a privilege, put yourself in that situation. You're holding the medicine. Are you really going to charge yeah. somebody for it when they're dying? Are you really going to do that? Because mm-hmm. that's what's going on. Mm. Wow. Now, when you talk about the, hoping the movie will be good, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the cast and the crew so uh, you are playing the the main character, and your wife is playing the character's wife. So I feel like I would say I would I, going on. I would say that that Mary is playing the ma- main character, and I'm playing okay. the sidekick with diabetes, who the story is focused on. That's just how <laughs> so stories sort of work. Yeah, we. I'm I'm so excited about that. You know, I was I when I was first writing it, I was really nervous. I was like. Oh. I'm so nervous, like, you know, Mary's, I don't know. Uh, and I sent it to my agent and he was like, I originally wrote them as like a brother sister. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't want to get in. I'm too afraid. And I sent mm. it to my agent. He was like, what the fuck are you doing? Noah, make them Mary. <laughs> Mary's playing the part. And he was like, oh yeah, that's okay. That's good. So, so I got over my fear of my wife just, you know, acting me out of a paper bag or whatever to say. Uh, so I'm so excited about that. As hopefully she'll make me look better. Um, but I, I, you know, we haven't, we, we, the last thing we did together was of course, Star Trek, but before that it was, um, it was Juilliard. So that'll be really, really fun. And then of course mm-hmm. we have Adam Rapp directing too, which is just so thrilling, oh. you know, uh, cause he's, he's essentially been tutoring under Jonathan Frakes and Toon Day on discovery and, yeah, he's been leaned. he's been doing a lot of that shadowing that uh you know back in the next generation days that's how a lot of those guys and Voyager too exactly. uh, came into the directing because they they learned on set and I think that's really amazing that he's getting that experience yeah and I, I I don't I don't know exactly but I believe he's like shot directed fully directed some scenes I think he's directed some scenes with Mary so cool. he's like in it and it's been so cool because you know he's starting to think about production stuff and he can kind of lean on Jonathan Frakes, which for me is <laughs> crazy. You can't do cool. better than that. <laughs> right. Like, all right. Yeah, that's great. 
And and he's a total he's a total film dork too, which I didn't even really <laughs> understand. Like I'm not a film dork. I can barely frame my webcam, but he, you know, I, <laughs> he went to film school. He, you know, he's always wanted to do this and it does feel just like this perfect moment to sort of catch Anthony before he's directing, you know, season right. six of discovery, you know, it, it's really <laughs> exciting. Um, so I want to ask you very specifically, uh, you, you made the announcement of this project and you launched your Kickstarter and it went bananas. <laughs> I, I got, you have to tell us about the experience of, and what happens uh, in the next step of sure. your Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I'm like, I still have, I'm still like in the middle of it and I haven't really like sat down and sort of taken it in, but yeah, you know, we, we set our first goal at, at $25,000, $25,000. And we broke that in uh, eight hours, wow. eight hours. And uh, we set our sort of second stretch goal, which was like a, uh, a community built one shot on Disco Does d d with, with some of our friends, we set that at uh, 42 and we were at 38 when I, when I said, okay, we're doing this. And I was, I, I, I was running to get it out and I put it out. I was like getting set up for another zoom meeting to talk with somebody about the movie. And I got on the thing and I was talking for five minutes and I look over and we had completed that stretch goal in under, under 10 minutes. Wow. It was just so crazy. I was like, I'm not, I thought I would have a day. I haven't even prepared anything yet. You know, like I'm not a, you guys are going too fast. So uh so yeah, we 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 cracked forty thousand dollars in in forty-eight hours, yeah. uh, which is just wild. Uh this morning on day three, we were one of the projects we love on Kickstarter, which was oh, amazing, cool. especially on day three is incredible. Wow. Um and then this afternoon, we launched our third stretch goal, which is like this crazy ambitious 65K number, which will be Anthony running a Disco Does D&D one shot, which will be so fun. Um, and uh, and yeah, my hope is that takes us all the way to the end, because I have to be honest, I have no other ideas. I'm totally out. <laughs> I'm absolutely burned out of ideas. I don't have anything in the tank. Oh my so gosh. I said it really high. So that way I'm like, well, listen, we got to we got this has to go for 27 more days, folks. So like right. <laughs> doing this. But uh, yeah, you know, I think we'll break 50K in t- tonight or or tomorrow, depending on how things go. But yeah, it's just been wild and. And very gratifying, you know, because I really have mm-hmm. felt my, you know, in this past year, I've really tried to embed in the community and and, and be a part of the community and yes. have the response be so positive just feels like I'm really doing something, doing something right. Um, and I was going to I was going to mention that, too, because you have been very active in a lot of the Star Trek Facebook groups and things like that. And I think that you have done such an amazing job of of like seeding all this goodwill you are just a a cast member of discovery you're you know one of us i hate to use that yeah. phrase but, <laughs> no but way, you I know <laughs> i think that you you come across as someone who is a very genuine person who actually cares about people and i think that come across people... is the is the key word there <laughs> no stop but but i really think that i really think that people as as cool as this film is going to be and how great the idea is i think that people are backing you as much mm-hmm. as they are the film and the idea so 
Well, Good I, job, I, man. I, I appreciate You know, I've always felt, I feel so much more comfortable on the fan side of the table, even still like, you know, yeah. when I'm going to conventions and I'm backstage, like, you know, I, I was at, I was in London and I met Maria Sirtis and I'm like an idiot. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> so excited. I'm so goofed, you know? So I, I, I've just been having a really, really fun time and trying not to overdo it and ask too much of people. And, you know, it's bizarre because I only got to do three episodes. I was sort of in and out. I had this really fun arc, but it's it sort of because it was a shorter arc, because it was really contained, um, it, um, it really allowed me to, uh, hi, Veronica. Uh, <laughs> it really allowed me to, I can just, I can just be in the fans. I don't have to sort of uh, defend right. the show or I, there's not stuff I can't say, you know, people aren't sick of me yet. So or at least maybe they're sick of me, but not from the show, which is great. Um, and, uh, and, you know, in terms of the reach out too, like one of the things I've been really surprised is, is well, not actually surprised, but one of the things that's been really gratifying is how many type one diabetics have also sort of reached out and diabetics in general. Yeah. I think that there, th that is sort of, you know, what I was saying at the start is like that sort of lack of community, um, putting this project out there, putting it as sort of a diabetic forward project. A lot of people have really have reached out and said, you know, this project resonates with me. I have these same fears. I think about this thing. I feel really excited to feel like finally a type one diabetic is behind the wheel on something like this. Mm. So, so that has also been really gratifying. And a ton of these people are Star Trek fans too. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that that there's a huge overlap in the, the diabetic community and the Star Trek community. So it, it's been really cool for that as well. Dealing with a character like that, uh, Noah, were there any little, to, to your point, were there any little touches you put in there that someone who might not be familiar with diabetes would put in? Because I remember my late mother, for example, she was a type 2 diabetic. Mm -hmm. And she always did little things like carry peppermint on her just mm -hmm. in case her sugar dropped. You know, mm -hmm. it's just little things like that you'd have to do. Or she'd always carry, she, she always carried um, water with her because sometimes sure. you eat something, you drink something, you're like, uh oh, and you just flush it down with water. Mm -hmm. um, were there any little touches like that that you uh, saw that maybe a person who isn't familiar with the disease? You mean like would have done? In, in, in the script or in, in Star Trek? In the script, yeah, in the script for your movie. Uh, well, the, in the script of my movie, there's nothing subtle about it. You know, it's like, mm. it's all out there. I'm testing, yeah. I'm doing the injections. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's front and center. I, mm -hmm. I have, I, my hope is to just sort of make it as authentic as possible so that people, uh, my, my hope is that I can sort of bridge both gas. People are super familiar with it. We're like, that's it. He's holding the things right. He's doing it right. He's right. deft with it. You know, it's like, it's like when an actor embeds in like a lawyer's office, they always flip the pages right or whatever. Like I want them to have that experience that this is really the real deal, you know? And then, and then for the other side, I want it to, uh, for people who aren't as familiar or who have like a passing familiarity mm -hmm. uh, to feel like it's not instructional, right? That it's okay. not like, this is what this does and da, da, da. It's like, maybe not everything is going to be explained, but you'll understand in general, like most people do mm -hmm. when they're encountering these things. And that will, you're invited in, you know, you can come in, you can watch, but it's up to you to kind of learn more. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And there, there's plenty of resources to do. You know, you can reach out to me and I'll tell you what the hell these things are and what they're <laughs> there for. You know what I mean? So I, I'm trying to balance balance both of those. But I will say, this is not really your question, but um, when I was on set for Star Trek, 
this was before I had a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, which is like a little patch that I wear. I was doing finger pricks and I was very, very worried that I was going to be where, did I tell this story on this podcast already? I don't yeah. think so. Right. No, I was very, I very person. worried that I was going to be wearing um, prosthetic gloves, which you can't take on and off. And I've seen mm. Doug wear them. You can't do anything right. with them. They're just big, giant pool noodles on your fingers. And I was really worried uh, because I wasn't going to be able to test my blood sugar. And so I, 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 I asked Mary what I should do. And she said, tell, tell costumes. So I told costumes. They said, oh, well, whatever. We'll just put you in black gloves the whole time. So the whole show. You never see my hands. I'm just wearing black gloves the entire time. And th that is why. So wow. there's little th big things in, in the movie and little things in Star Trek. <laughs> that's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Now, before we let you go, I, I want to let Veronica say something because otherwise I'll be in trouble. So Veronica, you're on mute. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So hi, how's it going? It's uh, going great, Veronica. Back, I didn't realize you were going to be on here and I was going to be like, surprise, guys. <laughs> Veronica's on vacation in Orlando right now. All right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. The last, cause the last time I asked you a question, it was about theater and you're like, Oh no, classic theater. So oh, man, I, I sound like a, see, this is, you really got my authentic self. At least I was being authentic. <laughs> there you go. Finger waved at you, Veronica. I yelled at you. <laughs> So I guess of the shows that are currently out now, theater wise, what is, what is your favorite? Of the co of the shows that are out theater wise, what is my favorite? I actually have an answer for that. Mary is currently in rehearsals for a new play called At the Wedding at LTC3. That's the Lincoln Center's uh, off Broadway stage. Uh, it'll be opening in uh, I don't know late March, early April, whatever. You'll figure it out. And that is by far my favorite play that is happening right now. Very nice. So so really quickly, how is Mary doing? How's she getting along right now? She's great. She is uh, deep in rehearsals on this play. I, yeah. she, you know, she, she, she uh, Veronica, you and her should talk about the theater because she loves it. Total, total <laughs> whack job. I don't know what's wrong with her, but she loves that stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's, you know, she, in 2017, she was doing an off-Broadway play she closed that play the next morning she flew up to Toronto and started her star Trek journey. Mm, and wow. she hasn't been back on stage since, mm -hmm. since she, that day. So mm -hmm. it, I think it's been a really, really fantastic thing to get back. And, you know, it, it sort of has COVID hasn't, hasn't sort of reared up again. So it's been running really smoothly. And so it's just been going really, really well and a much needed sort of um, artistic change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Veronica and I are puppeteers and we perform at Dragon Con and she was on a mission this year to find you guys and present <laughs> you with finger puppets that she had made. And you were all great. And it was a lot of fun to meet all of you. Yes, people. I have the finger bits in the drawer out there. I know what we're talking about. <laughs> Hell yeah. I got to see you very briefly at Dragon Con and it was really cool to get to say hey to you in person. But as I was coming up to your table, other people walked up right behind me and I didn't want to get in the way of, you know, you and the fans. So <laughs> you should have pushed him. You should have pushed yeah. him aside. That's why I, I hang out with guy. Veronica. Veronica will get us up there. <laughs> good, good, good. That's well, awesome. Noah, thank you so much for chatting with us. We love you and we're really excited about your project and we wish you all the best success and everything with how the Kickstarter is going and the film and everything. And maybe when the film is out, we'll have you on again and talk to you about that. 
Hell Thanks yeah, so that much. sounds awesome, you guys. That's I really appreciate great. it. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you Thank for you. coming on. This Labor Day weekend, fandom is calling. Let Michael, Mike, Darren, and Jen help you answer the call with the latest news, notes, tips, and tricks on the DragonCon Report. Available as an audio podcast, visit DragonConReport.com and for the first time ever, watch us on video via Facebook Live and YouTube. We want to help you celebrate your fandom in all the best ways. So listen up and we'll see you at the con. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.